While your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome back. Welcome to South Coast tonight. Happy Monday. I'm Marcus Farrow. I'm, I'll be with you for the evening. 508-996-0500 is how you can join me, or we'll take your messages on the WBSM app chat. We've got a good show planned for you how to get, uh, tonight. Chris will be back later in the week. We've got a really good show planned for you tonight. Um, we, later on in the evening, may be joined by Congressman Bill Keating. Just trying to work that out, but if not... Tonight, sometime later in the week, he'll he will uh, he will probably join us. But we're we're hoping he'll uh, join us tonight. But right now, I am joined by New Bedford State Rep. Chris Hendricks. Hey, Chris. Hey, Marcus. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. So, Chris, um, you, uh, I saw you on Friday. We did a tour of the Ash Street Jail and the um, <clears throat> and the Dartmouth facilities. Uh, because uh, the new sheriff Paul Haro is pitching uh, to you guys, the state delegation, and you know you were the, there were a few others in attendance, but he's pitching to you guys, the state delegation, a plan to close Ash Street and centralize operations in Dartmouth. Um, just what, what are your thoughts uh, seeing both facilities? Uh, well, obviously, I went you know on Friday to to hear the pitch, to hear the idea. Um, you know, at, at this point, it, that's exactly what it is. It's an idea. Um, you know, on his plan, on Sheriff Harrell's plan to, as he said, close the jail and, and basically move those um, cells that are being utilized on Ash Street over to the Dartmouth facility. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so, so that includes, you know, part of that plan would, in, would include money needed to retrofit the Dartmouth facility yeah. to add about 100 or so cells. Yeah. Um, you know, to account for the the, the loss of the Ash Street Jail, um, I thought. You know, obviously thought it was it was interesting to hear. It was interesting to get a you know a closer view of of the Ash Street and how it works. Um, one thing I was surprised out about is you know Ash Street you know has a reputation, of course, but um, you know it was very clean. It was very it seemed very safe. Yeah, um, it was <clears throat> very um, you know well run. Um, and so, you know, certainly uh, it was worth taking a look at. And I think, um, you know, the, the, the sheriff obviously would like to do this. Um, and, and, and I think time will tell on, on whether or not he can get that going. Well, the one thing he's asking for from you guys is to fund a feasibility study, which will probably cost in the neighborhood between two to three thousand dollars. It would be uh, it would be done by the state's Department of Capital Asset Management and Maintenance. Um, it's a mouthful. And, uh, you know, that's the first thing he's asking for so that they can develop. You got, they can develop a plan. Uh, what's your thoughts on being able to secure that uh, money for the feasibility study? It's obviously a you know a smart place to start you know a feasibility study and getting the data behind uh, you know a move like this um, 
you know, that, that, that's a that's a fair figure for a study. I think, you know, mm-hmm. I think maybe even less might do it, but um, but certainly, uh, you know, uh, getting a budget. How that would work is, you know, I or Tony or someone else in the delegation would file an amendment either to the state budget or the annual state budget or uh, some supplemental spending bill, appropriations bill later down the line, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in this session. Um, so uh, there are a number of ways you can get that done. We haven't had many in-depth talks about that process, but certainly that's how it would, would be done. And, you know, given the amount, it's it's not a huge, it's not a whole hell of a, a, a amount of money uh, considering, um, you know, other programs and other priorities. Yeah. Um, but I, but I think it's, you know, that's where you kind of need to start if you want to secure any type of uh, funding for, for a project like this. Do you support securing the money for the feasibility study? I would certainly consider it. Um, I don't want to, you know, tell you I'm going to go out and file it tomorrow, but, um, you know, I, I, again, I haven't had many discussions, but I, I anticipate I'll have more discussions with, um, with the sheriff and with other members of the delegation on, on how to go about that. But I, I would certainly be open to it. Yeah. Uh, it would be about, uh, I mean, even the, the sheriff who was a state rep himself uh, at one point said it would take a while, probably six to 12 months anyway, if, if you, if you guys were to get started, uh, you know, sooner rather than later. Right. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's obviously the first step in a long process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I see, you know, my concern is that, you know, we have about a hundred cells in the Ashtree location that are being used right now, just over a hundred, mm-hmm. but that, you know, but that jail houses over 200 has over 200 cells. Yeah. Um, and you know, having that extra capacity is, you know, that has value to it. Um, and, and if you're going to lose that capacity by switching that over, and just saying, you know, 100 cells and that's it. And, you know, we're not going to have any room for, you never know what could happen in the future. You know, you might know, you might need those cells. Hopefully you don't. But, but I think having that capacity um, is, is certainly a benefit to, to the Ash Street Jail right now. If we can, you know, if we can figure out a way to maintain that, um, th- that, that capacity, I think will, will, it will, it has a, a higher likelihood of getting done. And I mean, that would, be discovered that capacity level would be discovered via a feasibility study is that is that correct right i think that would probably be one of the main things they focus on is um you know we have we're utilizing 110 now does that mean we're going to be utilizing 110 two and a half years from now Uh are we going to need you know you know 175 you know so so i think just building out 100 um you know, it, it leaves you know room for the argument that you know what are we going to do about the overflow capacity that we currently have? Just based on some of the commentary uh, from you, Rep. Doherty, um, uh, Paul Feeney, Senator Paul Feeney, who was there, um, it seems like most of the delegation that was there. I know Alan Sylvia and, and Carol Fiola were at at Astrid, and I didn't catch them there because I just went to the press availability in Dartmouth. But it seems like the general consensus is at least. Being open-minded to the to the feasibility study, um, I haven't heard any dissenters on the record yet. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in theory, a feasibility study is you know it's an easy it's an easy place to start. It's you don't have to. It's not a hard sell. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I don't think the sheriff has that much work in front of him. Okay. Um, at the end of the day, you just need one person to file it, whether it's someone from New Bedford or not. Um, technically, so yeah, um, it is a Bristol I County. Think, it is a Bristol County issue. I think. Correct. Yeah. Um, correct. And so, but, um, but you know, it's, it's in the heart of New Bedford. It's mm-hmm. technically, uh, 
technically in Tony's district, the representative Cabral's district. Right. But um, but certainly it's it's a facility that has um, you know will affect the the community at large. Where, what wards are you representing now that that it's been? Re- this is your first few weeks in the new district. What wards are you representing now? I represent all of Ward Two, parts of Ward Three, and parts of Ward Four, and a little little tiny bit of Ward One, which is. Um, uh, near the the river's end area okay. of the city, um, and so so yeah, so all of Ward Two, parts of Ward Three and Four. I I previously did not have any award Four, okay, um, prior to to the new year, and as you know, I I, I no longer have a cushion in. Right, right. So we're speaking with uh, State Rep. Chris Hendricks uh, from New Bedford. So we'll look forward to seeing you know that conversation um, unfolding in the coming months on, on, on whether or not the delegation is is going go, uh, going to secure the feasibility study. Um, but at least it seems there's some open mindedness to that. Uh, but you are working on some other more immediate priorities on Beacon Hill. Um, I think something to do with a, uh, you filed some legislation recently on uh, on a certain type of Medicaid expansion. Can you tell us about that? Yes, so as you know, last on the 20th, whenever it was, the 20th, was our deadline to file bills for the new session. Mm-hmm. Um, so I filed a lot of my refiles that I have did done in the past relative to my you know, area of expertise, workers' comp, things sure. like that, worker rights. Because um, so just form, for people I, who don't know, Chris, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I just want to mm-hmm. give some people some background. You're, you know, you and I went to law school together. We graduated the same year. You have been prior to and still a workers' comp attorney at Ketchis Law at the Ketchis Law Group. Um, yes, and so that's really your. That's really your area of expertise uh, professionally. Um, so, yes. so sorry. Continue. So anyway, so so one of the bills, one of the new bills that I filed is a very comprehensive um, bill that essentially would expand Medicaid in Massachusetts to include reimbursements for violence prevention programming and treatment. Um, so what it does is, it, so right now, a lot of hospitals have violence prevention programming, which is if someone comes in with a gunshot wound or they had a, you know, they were beat on the street, for example, they come in, they were a victim of community, what's you know defined as community violence. Okay. And therefore they are, in, you know, they, they usually are, um, exposed to, to services, um, trauma-related care, safety planning, things that revolve around community violence. And so right now that is being people with state money through grants, through the office, the Executive Office of Health and Human Services. Okay. That's the status quo. This bill would make those services um, statutory and codified, but also reimbursable through Medicaid. Okay. Um, and as you know, Mass Health, which it basically is Medicaid, um, once it hits the state, um, is what you know. A lot of gun violence, a lot of community violence, is is treatment is paid for. Um, mm-hmm. So right now, this just expands that um, to include pro, you know violence prevention services after someone has been. Um, you know, the, the victim of, of violence. So right now, essentially, um, the way it is, is whether or not those expenses are covered by somebody who is a victim of a violent crime, whether or not the, they're, they're covered is dependent upon available supplementary funding. Correct. Right now, it's very sporadic. Not all <laughs> yeah. hospitals have them. Yeah. Um, and and we, this bill would mandate if you're, if you're a trauma center, um, you could have you can reimb- you will get reimbursed by Medicaid for, 
by providing this type of service. And it's obviously a, it's a multidisciplinary approach. Um, you know, it's it's a, certainly a community based approach, yeah. um, which I think you know is 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 good for for our community, especially a gateway city like New Bedford. You know, we would be a major benefit of something like this. Um, so, like St. Luke, would St. Luke's Hospital be a benefit? Would benefit correct. from this? Okay. So, so St. Luke's, I'm not sure if St. Luke's Hospital has uh, any type of programming there now. Yeah. Um, I know they have in the past, um, but but this bill would would basically, you know, one of the other functions of this bill that would expand HVIPS, which stands for Hospital Violence Inter um, Intervention Programming, which is okay. kind of the, the things I just outlined: sure. safety planning, trauma related care services, things like that, through hospitals. So you know, medical staff, people, uh, trusted community partners are will be there in emergency rooms to to deliver care and resources um, to people. Because when someone is, you know, statistics has shown and the data has shown that when someone is a victim of community violence, a gunshot wound, a beating, um, gang violence, their their chances and they survive. Their chances, um, the likelihood that that person will result you know go back to violence either as a victim or a perpetrator is very very high so so when someone is 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 you know seeking that type of care for for a violent act um that their treatment in the emergency room in urgent care is, is the best place to reach those folks uh to reduce you know the likelihood of more violence so so what a, a programming would be um, other than the medical care, some extra programming that would try to um, help this person basically move away from uh, a, a life or a, life, a likelihood of reentering a situation in which they could be a victim or a perpetrator of violence. Correct. Crime. Okay. Correct. And in, 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 in it's meant and it's designed to kind of you know be a wrench in that revolving door of that type of behavior. Um, and as I said before, you know, New Bedford is no stranger to that type of thing, of um, you know, and um, so I think it would, you know, I think this will be, uh, you know, it, it'll be expansive, too. I mean, this is when you expand a program like Medicaid, I mean, that, that opens up tons and tons of money. And, you know, we, we would rather have the federal government paying it, paying for it and reimbursing us rather than discretionary state grants, you know, that, that are more sporadic. I think that's an important point um, because basically for people who may not understand, mass, mass health is essentially, like you said, it is the allocation of Medicare funding, Medicaid funding that's given to the federal government. And so Correct. any any expenditure or any 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 billing to Medicaid would be essentially billing the federal government for Medicaid funds. Is that is that more or less correct? Effectively, yes. In Mass Health, it, it's it's because Mass Health is is comprised of two major things: Mass uh, Medicaid mm -hmm. from federal and the CHIP program. You know, Children's Health the uh, program. Um, and so, yeah, exactly. So when you expand the the services, and, and Biden made this a priority, by the way. This is a piece that I forgot to mention, that in, tw in, in 2021, I believe, Biden, you know, uh, encouraged um, in, in either in one of his executive orders or through some sort of communication, really encouraging states expanding um, Medicaid for this exact purpose. So this is what we're doing. Connecticut's already done it. Illinois's already done it. Um, and, and so they did that pretty, you know, we would be the third state to do something like this. 
So the third state in the entire country uh, to to make this expansion, and you've uh, and you filed the legislation. I think that's really cool. So, um, so Chris, can you just tell us about sort of the because you know you legislatures you all file bills sort of in a, sometimes within accordance of your you know professional purview or something that you may be working on because you got certain committee assignments and that's sort of where you've made your you know made your bones as a legislature how do you how did you come across this issue and codify it into uh, legislation that's a good question so this this kind this bill this language this this idea stemmed from my my research and work on the judiciary committee Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, last year, the, the New York v. Bruin decision um, regarding um, gun licenses, license to carry, and the discretion that states have um, in, in affording those licenses to people, um, you know, that type, that research on that issue kind of opened up my, my overall understanding on violence and gun violence and community violence, which is, you know, defined in the statute, in the bill. Um, so that that's the place from which this this effort is coming from. I, I have the backing of ROCA, which is um, you know an organization that that is is uh, has tries to mitigate urban violence, okay. try to you know teach uh, you know multi you know a multi pronged approach, community approach uh, to preventing uh, community violence. So um, so yeah, so so that's uh, why we filed the bill and. Um, Hopefully, you know, over the course of the next few weeks, we'll, we'll, we'll garner some support from it. Well, that's that was my next question. I know you're very early on in the process of filing legislation. I think all filings were due like last Friday or something. Yeah. Um, but have you spoken with any uh, offhandedly with any other legislative colleagues about co-sponsoring the legislation? We are. I we've spoke. I've spoken to the um, the chair of the Judiciary Committee, Mike Day. Okay. I don't know what committee this will be going to because it does, ref, you know, it does revolve around spending. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not. Ne- it's not necessarily going to go to the Judiciary Committee. Ways and um, means. But certainly, I've had discussions with him. I haven't had a, a larger effort yet. We're going to we're going to start that um, this week or next on getting um, you know co-sponsorship requests and, and getting other legislators on board and briefing people on what's in the bill and how it's going to. Uh, you know, help our communities. So that that will we will be working on in the near future. We're speaking with State Rep. Uh, Chris Hendricks. He's recently filed uh, a bill that would um, expand Medicaid coverage for victims of uh, of, uh, of violence. It's kind of, I mean, just kind of remarking on the the, the absurdity of the fact that somebody could um, get shot, get stabbed get brutally beaten, end up in the hospital and be stuck with a, a an untenable medical insurance bill theoretically, right? Right. And, and you know, for medic, medical treatment, that's already covered under Medicaid, correct? So I mean, this bill would ex- would would further that care to include um, you know, safe, you know, how how to deal with trauma, you know, I get how to it. deal with, uh, you know, safety. It, it's an ongoing, more of a robust approach to treatment, uh, you know, rather than just, you know, treating the wound and treating the, the physical aspect of the injury. You have to treat, yeah, you're, you're looking so like... In, a, in essence, it's a mental health type um, yeah. um, angle. It's, it's a, a more holistic approach to try to mitigate um, violence and, and people who are victims of violence. 
Is that, that's, I think, yes. yeah. So we're speaking with State Rep. Chris Hendricks. Uh, so, yeah, that sounds like a, a really good bill. I'm looking forward to, to, to you know, seeing how that develops uh, throughout the session. You guys are very, you guys are very early into your session. So there's a, yes, com- we, we, we haven't even done the rules yet, which we'll be doing this week. Um, and I just want to say that the, the number of my bill is HD 2549. Okay. HD 2549. So Correct. we'll keep an eye on that. We can track those bills and uh, I'm sure you'll be able to give us some updates as that goes through the relevant uh, committees and, and, um, and the house and the Senate and all of that. You can absolutely count on that. Great. So, uh, so Chris, um, you know, speaking of that, you said you're voting on the rules. I know there's been some debate about rules, uh, you know, every, every new session or so some people want to, you know, um, some people want to change the rules. Typically they more or less stay the same procedurally. Can you just kind of explain what it means to vote on the rules and do you expect any major changes to those rules going forward? Right. So every session, um, the house as a chamber has to vote on, of the rules under which the chamber does business, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, How bills get filed, how much time we have before we're able to look at bills before we vote on them, you know, how to uh, co-sponsor a bill, everything that's um, uh, needed to know on on how to um, pass legislation in the House. And so that's every every session, which is every two years, we have to vote on um, how, you know, those rules. Um, I don't from my own understanding, I don't anticipate any uh, major changes. Um, I know that the young, the, the, the new legislators coming in um, have a tendency to file amendments um, on, on this on this process. Um, I yeah. don't plan on filing any amendments, but um, I, I would expect that the rules will look the same um, by and large uh, as they do now. Are you satisfied with how the rules are right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I am. You know, things do move quick. I can I can see the argument that if you're not paying attention, you could miss you know co-sponsoring this, um, you know, uh, being able to to be fully briefed on you know a certain bill before uh, a committee vote um, or or floor vote. Um, but uh, you know, to me, if if you're paying attention, if you're engaged, you're 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 doing your job. Um, you know, the rules the rules work just fine. So we're speaking with State Rep. Chris Hendricks. There's also committee assignments that are going to be um, that are going to be handed out yet to be done. Yep. And you uh, you were on the Judiciary Committee last time. Um, Do you uh, just you know, just uh, do you expect to be on the Judiciary uh, Committee again? And if you could just kind of briefly explain what the work of the Judiciary Committee is. I certainly made it clear to the, you know, um, to the speaker that I, I would I would love to, to remain on the Judiciary Committee. I, I would, it would be hard-pressed for me to say I'm definitely going to remain on it, but uh, I certainly have made it clear that I would like to remain on it. Um, so hopefully that, that that is the case. You were like, listen, Ron, um, listen up. That? No, I'm just kidding. You tried oh, to big dog him. Yeah. Listen, Ron, I'm going to be on Judiciary. Yeah, I'm not sure he's a daily listener to uh, Marcus <laughs> and Chris on WBSM. But, he should uh, be. Hopefully he is. Yeah. I know he should be, well, whether or not he is or not. So, um, yeah, judiciary. We we hear testimony here. Um, you know, testimony on anything related to to the judicial system. Any uh, criminal laws, any any laws that have to do with civil process, civil procedure, um, the civil courts um, is what we what we review and, and hear te- hear testimony on 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 bills which are have yet to become law. So it's a very busy committee. We have a lot, if not one of the one of the busiest. Um, we have uh, thousands of bills 
uh, to have to get reviewed uh, in our committee. Um, so, so it's a lot of work, and it, and it, it, it calls for some long nights sometimes when you mm-hmm. have hearings, legislative hearings going, you know, till past midnight uh, most days. Um, but it's Jeez. certainly work that I, I love doing, and I hope I continue to do. Till past midnight. That's that's um that's quite a schedule. At least I guess the the highways are more or less clear from Boston on the way down. Yeah, that that is a silver lining. So when you when when we come out, we can uh, we have ninety three is clear. Um, but that sometimes that's really not the case. Even though, even though it is late these days, I mean traffic. You'll get traffic on ninety three. You know, well past ten o'clock some days. So uh, we're speaking with State Rep. Chris Hendricks. Um, Chris. Uh, I appreciate you joining this evening. Um, I'll just ask this. Are, are you going to run for New Bedford mayor if John Mitchell resigns or decides <laughs> not to seek another term? Uh, I, I have no intention of running for mayor <laughs> Okay. Uh, at any point. So, no. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's my All right. You love the work that you're doing. You're really involved in yeah, it. The, and you the work keep I'm doing, doing now is washing my uh, clothes at Washworld on the app. <laughs> so I got to get back to that. All right. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Marcus. That was State Rep. Chris Hendricks uh, doing a lot of great work up on Beacon Hill. He was elected in 2018. He had uh, taken out uh, a 25-year incumbent, uh, Bob Cazera. Uh, close election, but, you know, I, 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 knew, I knew Chris when I went to, um, when I, like I said, we went to law school together in the same class. And, uh, you know, he, he just, he won that campaign because he works how he works now, which is incredibly hard. Uh, incredibly hard. He, you know, put holes in his, uh, had to probably go through four or five pairs of shoes, um, hitting all the doors that he hit. And, uh, he's carried that, that really strong work ethic over to, uh, to, to Beacon Hill. So really excited to see that legislation. I think that's really important. Not stuff that probably a lot of us think about. I certainly wasn't thinking a lot about that, uh, a lot about, um, you know, sort of the uh, holistic approach to treating victims of, of violent crimes to try to, you know, escape the, the conditions that led them to those violent crimes uh, or being victims of violent crimes. So uh, really interesting stuff. That's why I like having uh, members of uh, Beacon Hill um, on the program, not just from, you know, not just from here, not just from New Bedford, but, you know, we've had people on from all over Cambridge, Somerville, uh, Cambridge, Somerville, Cape Cod, uh, you know, et cetera, because they all have really interesting stuff to say and say, and they're all doing really important work that um, impacts the community in ways that uh, a lot of people don't even think about. Like I said, so that was State Rep. Chris Hendricks. Appreciate him coming on. 508-996-0500 is how you can join the program. Also taking your messages on the WBSM app chat. This is uh, South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow, and I'm here with you until 10 p.m. So stay tuned. The w- hey, welcome. What, what, okay, just thought the mic wasn't on. Welcome back to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. That was State Representative uh, Chris Hendricks um, from New Bedford, uh, just talking about some of the work he's doing for, um, you know, so, uh, to, for Medicaid expansion, for for programming to uh, extend the uh, extend Medicaid coverage to um, programming. That will allow people after they've suffered a um, suffered a um, a, uh, a a violent you know suffered an injury from a violent attack, stabbing, gunshots, brutally beaten, uh, etc. Um, 
you know, to fund that program and make it a part of Medicaid coverage so that um, it's not entirely dependent on, you know, more, you know, sporadic funding, but it's actually something that is a a guaranteed funded um, healthcare healthcare coverage. Um, uh, You know, New Bedford police officer Hank Turgeon actually told me uh, it's called uh, post-traumatic growth. Um, So I think... um, you can correct me if I'm mistaken about it, but uh, basically um, uh, it's sort of uh, the work that you do to I'm trying to sum this up on the fly. I'm usually better at it, but basically um, so it's uh, how p- people develop uh, positively how people develop, uh, how people grow from traumatic experiences in a positive way, I think would be the best summation that I can think of that would come from that. I think a really important uh, discussion, actually, especially with everything that's gone on in the uh, in the news cycle recently. You know, we talked about Senator Montigny's bill for um, police officers uh, who are that actually um, uh, Hank worked on, but. Um, police officers who are um, seeking mental help to get mental health, the million dollar uh, uh, grant funding that uh, that they secured from the uh, Healy Driscoll administration. You know, I talked a bit about um, obviously the the woman from Duxbury and the postpartum depression she has. Now, that's, you know, not necessarily I don't think within the purview, but certainly her husband might be dealing with that. Right. Um, and so. A really interesting conversation about, you know, sort of expanded mental health coverage of mental health access, which I think Massachusetts is doing a pretty good job on and probably uh, still needs to build uh, on that work going forward um, in order to have a more robust uh, mental health care system. You know, I remember I had State Senator Julian Sear on. I had uh, Chairman Ways and Means uh, Mike Rodericks on, um, you know, Chris and I over uh, some late last year to talk about some of the achievements that they're making in mental health to have it uh, be more comprehensively covered by um, by uh, you know guar- make it more of a guaranteed health service right like now uh, thanks to that law actually you 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 know you have your yearly physicals and all that well your yearly um your yearly uh, physical can also have, if you choose, a yearly mental health checkup. That is now as guaranteed for coverage as your yearly physical. So um, it's, you know, there's a lot of really horrific headlines that underscore the need for not just comprehensive mental health treatment, but the destigmatization of mental health, uh, of, of mental health afflictions and treating those um, mental health afflictions. And so, again, I think really important stuff. Actually going to take another break. 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. This is South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. 1420 WBSM is now also on 99.5 FM. Taunton Federal. It is filled with many paths. But for Native American children, the most important path is the one that leads them out of poverty. It's a path that led 
me here to St. Joseph's Indian School. And 96% of St. Joe's students graduate high school. That's 10% higher than the national average. St. Joseph's Indian School is our path to a brighter future. Learn more at stjo.org today. To some people, the sound of a baby babbling doesn't mean much. But that's not necessarily true. By six months, they're combining vowels and consonants. By nine months, they're trying out different kinds of sounds. And by 12 months, their babbling is beginning to take on some meaning. Especially if there's no babbling at all. Little to no babbling by 12 months or later is just one of the possible signs of autism in children. Early screening and intervention can make a lifetime of difference and unlock a world of possibilities. Take the first step at AutismSpeaks.org. Dear Hero, whoever you are, you save lives. I live with sickle cell and the pain and the issues that come along with sickle cell every day. I'm most grateful that people are willing to go out there and take their time, their blood, and give me new life. Because of you, I'm allowed to see my son grow up. Giving equals living. Give blood. Replenish the supply. Learn more at hhs.gov slash giveblood. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. This message is for Karina, our mom who finished her high school diploma at age 28. Hi, Mom. It's Amethyst and Nicholas. Congratulations on getting your diploma. You worked so hard and have taught us so much. We love you. When you graduate, they graduate. Finish your high school diploma for you and for them. Visit finishyourdiploma.org to find free and supportive adult education centers near you. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. If you served in the Vietnam, Gulf War, or post-9-11 eras, you may be eligible for expanded VA benefits. A new law, known as the PACT Act, provides disability compensation, health care, free toxic exposure screenings, and more to veterans who were exposed to toxins during their military service. You can submit a claim for your PACT Act-related benefits now. Claims received by August 10, 2023 may be paid back to August 10, 2022. Visit va.gov forward slash PACT to learn more and file your claim. You never know who will call in the South Coast tonight. But they want to hear from you most of all. Call 508-996-0500. Or use the WBSM app to send an app chat text message or leave voicemail. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Marcus. Uh, 508-996-0500 is how you can join me this evening. Also taking your messages on the WBSM app chat. So um, just following up on that conversation, just talking about, you know, uh, you know, Rep Hendrix's bill that really does uh, expand sort of uh, mental health, a more holistic treatment for people who are um, victims of violent crimes more than the obvious, the immediate medical treatment that they'll need um, after suffering, you know, a, a brutal beating, a, a gunshot wound, a stabbing, et cetera. Uh, there are, and I talked about some of the mental health, the expanded mental health um, accesses that are available now. And I think it's important. We didn't get a chance to talk about this yet, but it started earlier this month uh, that there was a, there is a new mental health uh, hotline that's uh, available for Massachusetts residents. 
um, that you can call or text uh, if you're suffering from a mental health or substance abuse. You can call or text 833-773-2445. Or you can go to masshelpline.com and you can uh, talk virtually with a clinician or a trained specialist in mental health. Um, and they'll also put you in touch with, um, also put you in touch with, uh, uh, you know, relevant service providers. There's also, you can also call, uh, you know, it's available to everybody in the country, uh, 988, uh, that's the national suicide and crisis lifeline, um, that I think launched sometime last summer. Um, and there is... 211 and 911 uh as well. So, and I know there's like different committees and stuff that they need to um that they need to uh that are that they're looking for like a 988 commission that they're looking at that it's going to expand the trying to expand some of those services a little bit more, but again, it's a new hotline. Um I think it gives, you know, people a lot more options in terms of how to seek mental health treatment. Uh 833 773-2445 or you can go to masshelpline.com it puts you virtually in contact with um, a trained uh, clinician or someone who's uh, trained and experienced in the areas of mental health treatment so that you can get mental health again i think a lot of the headlines recently have unfortunately um, underscored the need uh, for making the mental health services that are provided to people um, a lot more robust, a lot more accessible, and uh, a lot less stigmatized um, because I think, you know, with a lot of things, I think you, you can compare it to, you know, if you're suffering from a particular mental health issue, you just can't ignore it, right? Much like you can't ignore a stab wound or a gunshot wound, um, it's more or less the same if you ignore something, if you ignore an injury to your physical person or an illness or a physical illness, if you ignore it and you try to go about your life like it's not there, it's going to get significantly worse and could have some incredibly dire consequences if you ignore it. It's the same thing with mental health. If you are ignoring it or treating it like it's something that you can just tough it out, um, you, you, that's not going to help. What's going to help is seeking professional, seeking professional help and being able to fully treat a serious mental health issue. So it's something that I think has been a, a, a subject for discussion. I know here in the station, I know Tim's uh, talked about it quite a bit. Um, a lot of people have talked about it in light of, you know, after, you know, mass shootings and, um, and you know, the Duxbury, the mother in Duxbury and all of that. And it's, it's really something that needs to continue because I think a lot of people, you know, I have to move away from the stigmatization of being like, Oh, if you have a mental health issue, you are, weak or you're crazy. No, you just have, again, it's like having a physical ailment. There's something that is not yet, you know, there's something that you, you know, is inhibiting your ability to function in day-to-day -day life. And it's not something happening to your physical body. It's something that's happening in your head and you got to treat it. 
because if you don't, it'll only get worse. 508-996-0500. Also taking your messages on the WBSM app chat. This is South Coast Tonight. Uh, I'm Marcus Farrow. I'll tell you what, we're going to take one more break, and then we're going to finish out the hour strong. This is South Coast Tonight. Stay tuned. If you want to hear everything. Uh, I am... Uh, I'm Marcus Farrow. I'm taking your calls at 508-996-0500. We had State Rep. Chris Hendricks on to talk about his Medicaid expansion bill um, to help victims of violent crimes. Um, we're also taking your messages on the WBSM app chat. I don't know if I said that yet. But uh, later on the show, we may have um, Congressman Bill Keating call in. I think he just flew in from Washington. I think he just flew in to Washington and has some you know, official Congress business uh, official Congress business to um, official Congress business to attend to, uh, but if he's able to, um, if he's able to call in, we're definitely going to want to hear from him. He's been doing a lot in the situation over in in, uh, in Ukraine. He sits in the the House Foreign Affairs Committee. He also sit, uh, chaired the subcommittee on um, Europe, uh, Eurasia, uh, Energy, and, and the Environment. So, uh, would love to talk to him more about what he's got going on there, on um, and some of the work that they're doing in the uh, some of the work that they're doing in the in the House. So. We'll be talking with him. I do want to talk about some interesting numbers in the economy, actually, that have uh, that have um, developed over the last uh, couple of years in the Massachusetts economy. How that how it's recovered from COVID, how it what it needs to do to continue recovering from COVID. How to um, get rid of the uh, how to um, you know uh, help ameliorate this slack labor market that they that's that's happening now with all the job postings that are available with fewer people to find them and how massachusetts's demographics have kind of shifted in a shifted in a way that make that type of growth really hard to do um so it's really interesting there's an article in the boston globe today you know how chris mccarthy always says it we read the boston globe we read the new york times so you don't have to Right. And so we were, I was looking at some of that, uh, some of the, those figures today, and we can talk more uh, about that. I think it, it does. There are some obviously positive trends from coming out of COVID, um, but uh, like most of the economy, I haven't fully recovered from the, you know, from the, the losses of the uh, early days of the pandemic, you know, the, the March and April of 2020. You know, my first hosting gig was like a day before everything shut down. It was uh, Phil Paleologus's show. Phil was doing his uh, New Bedford uh, week um, down in Florida. And so I was filling in for him one of the days. And I swear to God, the day, the next day, it was when everything just, you know, Trump and Charlie Baker and all them said, okay, everything's closed for, you know, the, for the foreseeable future. And <laughs> then I didn't see the inside of the studio for another four or five months. Um, but it all worked out, right? So I'm I'm here and I'm here now. I'm here till 10 and I'm taking your calls and I'm taking your app chat messages at 508-996-0500. That's how you can join me this evening. So stay tuned. We've got a good show ahead.